Amir Ra Squad up. This is your brother Ishmael. Just start doing a little test run with the uh, Amir Ra Squad Martian African Scholarship page, and uh, doing a test with uh, with the brothers here. Um, and actually, I just got some some questions that maybe that we could do it as a Q and A, kind of passing the time, and I can kind of get some fine tuning done on the studio side of things. And uh, I think one of the questions are is what are some of the things that you think that the Moors can do to serve the public more? Not necessarily the Moors that are inside of the temple, but the Moors that are outside of the temple, the ones that are in your neighborhoods or the ones that you see online or in social media. What are some of the things that you think the Moors can do to be more effective in order to better serve the masses of the people? Um, what do you two have to say about that? Go ahead, well, um, Take it first, good brother. Okay, okay. Um, I believe that the Moors can be more, I wouldn't say active in the community, but um, I would say that I believe that the Moors should be um, more interactive, I would say, with the community. Um, a lot of people that I know um, feel as though, primarily in a conscious community, um, they feel as though the Moors aren't really socially involved because they they feel like they are um, free from the oppression due to sovereignty um, and I guess some other forms of independence that they have or that they feel that they have. I feel as though the Moorish um, people, those that subscribe to the Moorish doctrine or however may have your identity, um, I feel as though they should be involved with the community um, as much as possible, um, possibly speaking on corners to, I would say, garnish that um, or acquire that like community um, identification, you know. And I agree. And I would say that not only with the Moors-ish, but any organization any nonprofit organization, any community activism, any kind of group that wants to be involved in their immediate community. Uh, Example-wise, I, I would have to just take it back to things that my parents did. Um, we could start with the PTA groups, you know. Uh, they could engage in the parent-teacher associations and be active in uh, the meetings and and the local school board and things like that and they would know you know uh, who's actually teaching their children uh, what is the criteria you know get to know the principles things like that uh, obviously there's always going to be a group of people that you could describe as less fortunate in need um, you know, uh, sometimes society would, would label them as, as, you know, less desirable. And they're always going to need assistance with food, clothing, and or shelter, you know. And those are two examples. And uh, I, and then also we know the Moors, a lot of them are, are, are pretty much paralegals themselves, you know. they very familiar with the law very familiar with the legal system, very familiar with the, the different branches of our legislative system, 
and you know they could always assist with those that uh, may not have the money for some high-priced, hot-shot Jewish legal defense team, but could be facing, uh, you know, a, a couple felonies or you know, have some kind of civil, criminal, or or personal matter. Unfortunately, that is got them involved in the legal system. And if they're not confident with just the advice of the public defender, which which we usually jokingly call the public pretender, because you know he he wants to get this case closed and is handled in as less time and with the court's money, uh, time and money a, as possible. And usually they're anxious. The judge is anxious to get back to his chambers. He's anxious to go home for the day and, and start fishing. So. Those are several examples. I, I could probably go on and on, but go ahead, Ish. No, I think I think those are both uh, very valid points that you're that you're actually going to make up um, and bring to the attention. I think that many times people misperceive what Moors do represent. Noble Ali himself had a really tough time. As soon as Moors started getting an identity and they actually started getting their identification cards, they were flashing the cards in front of the police, smacking the hat off of police. You know what I mean? Just wild it. And Noble Jarley said, do not flash this card. Like, this is not supposed to be your, 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 your passport in order to act a fool. You know, you conduct yourself a certain kind of a way. And you don't think that this is going to excuse your conduct. Your conduct as a man is being measured by your character. So don't think that just because you have this card that you're able to flash this card and do all of these certain things. This was a problem when he was physically among us. And this is the problem that we have today. You have people that engage in certain kinds of activities, and then they expect, once I get this Moorish identity, that it's going to excuse, or this is my get-out-of-jail-free card, or this is going to uh, forgive this uh, crime or this type of activity that I'm engaged in. So it becomes a conflict. You know, If you don't have the character of a person that is going to be leading a certain type of a life, then don't come to the Moors when it's 11.59 and child support is now on your back or the drug case is now on your back and now you have to pay for your actions that you made before you even assumed a Moorish identity and came into your, your true identity. So that's where the conflict comes in. There's sometimes where you can be the case. There's sometimes, because many times, if you're putting forth some Moorish information, it's really going to be only as big as you and the magistrate sometimes. And if you can present your case, and you already have bypassed your, you know, the lawyers or, or, or the law before you even deal with the magistrate making this decision, you can beat that case. But that isn't necessarily because of a Moorish identity. That is you being proficient with the law. Afeni Shakur was seven and a half to eight months pregnant when she took on the United States government representing herself. It was not as a Moorish identity. It was an African woman representing herself by the law. And being proficient enough in the law when she was facing 100 years in prison, she beat the case. So her being pregnant with Tupac and her being able to give birth to him and not being in prison, that was her being proficient in the law. Not necessarily because of any type of a Moorish identity. So I think that's the fine line of kind of what we represent in that. As far as feet on the ground and doing work in the community, that should be something, again, not limited to a Moorish identity. That should be something that we're obligated to do 
you know, those who know should always be engaged in teaching those who do not know. And once you do know, you have an obligation in order to move out on that. So in whichever way you feel comfortable with, whether it's through your charity, through it's your work and your dedication, the time that you give, you should always find some time to allot a certain part of what you know to assist those who do not know. And in doing that, you get blessings, you work off certain sins and certain uh, comedic debts that maybe you've accrued, and then once you're able to put in that work, then you're able to be measured by your good works and being able to change and affect positive people. So I think that that's a very, very positive thing. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, Ish. Uh, is this an open discussion, Ish? There's some people asking on Google Plus if they could join you. Absolutely, yes. Please have them. Please come in and join. Absolutely, okay. no problem. So, uh, I perfectly, I'll just to to reiterate uh, where Ishmael left off. Mm -hmm. it, you're exactly right, Ish. It is definitely not up just to a, a, a Moorish identity or or the Moors themselves to make improvements in their community. I, I think it falls on every every individual in that in that community. Um, my neighborhood, we, we all do the best we can to, to keep our yards in order, to make sure there's no trash, whether it's uh, our trash, our neighbor's trash, or, you know, the uh, bag ripped when the trash men were in the court. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, whose house it was ripped in front of, so it doesn't blow all over the neighborhood. Somebody's going to take care of it. And, you know, you can always go back on the old saying, it, it takes a village, you know, to raise the youth, to raise the children. So, you know, there's there's several things that every individual, um, you know, whether that be the inner city, whether that be the, the suburbs, whether that be, um, you know, the, the countryside or, or wherever, if you guys all have a common goal, some, some common, you know, core values and morale, uh, regardless of your religious ideology, regardless of your ethnicity, or your nationality, it's it's for the better of, of, of every individual involved. And I would say that's the value of identifying and, and finding those who, who think like you or those who are on the same page as you and your values and the way that you look at things. You, know, you always want to create an environment to make sure that it's conducive to growth. You know, and as the saying goes, if you can't change the people around you, then change the people around you. So you have to be able to do that. You know, it's okay to be the one person who knows or the one person who has a vision, but if the other people around you refuse to move and row in the same direction as you, then you simply go and you change your environment, and then you find and identify people who can make it easier because that's ultimately what you have. The reason why this is called no more time because you have no more time to waste. You know, time is one of the most valuable things that you can have. If you look at the multi-billionaire Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett is over like 45 to 50 billion dollars. And he drives just a regular Cadillac. He lives in a regular home. But the one thing that he does spend his money on is a quality jet. And that's really the only thing that he spends it on. Because he realizes how valuable time is. That's something that costs you money. And that's something that you can't put a price on. 
So if I have to get from A to B, let me get on that G5 and make that happen. The rest of the stuff, uh, we can pretty much work that out. I don't mind being able to drive a Cadillac as opposed to a Bentley. That's a small thing. But me being able to save time to get from point A to point B so I can take care of business, that's somebody who understands what the principles are really about. So your time is something that you really don't waste. I don't waste time going back and forth in circles to the point of nauseam on certain topics. It's a waste of my time. I will already take into account the back and forth before I even present information. So I try to be preemptive on what I'm giving to you to make sure that the questions that you may have will already be answered. But so many times within the online community, they waste valuable time talking amongst each other to the point that things are not being achieved and time is wasted. So you have some people who will take one year, two years, five years, eight years, ten years, and they're still the same individuals, still yelling in the camera back when YouTube started in 2007. So you really haven't done anything. What have you really built either in your community? What have you really built as far as tangible change, even in scholarship? So it's too much talking, and too much talking becomes a waste of time and counterproductive. So I think that what Moors can do, you know, is merge and try to find out what are your common grounds with the broader African community. To put yourself on Gilligan's Island and just say, I'm special and you're not, and then you're constantly pointing the finger at them, and then that causes them to point the finger at you, this becomes cyber set tripping. That's a waste of time. So you find the common grounds of people who can identify what you're looking for. See, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to walk with Khalid and for him to explain and to see how he dealt with situations, even coming from different schools of thought. So in being able to do that, you're able to find the common ground of so many other people to say, these are Hebrews, these are African family, these are the other indigenous families. And then once you find and identify the common ground, be able to focus on something that's going to change your condition. That's the most important thing. Peace and blessings to the rest of the brothers and, and, and the family coming through. I want to definitely welcome you to, right. to the bill session. Peace. Peace, brother. Peace. Does someone else have a comment or, or a question at all? Brother Jeremiah, did you have something? Was your hand raised, brother? Well, um, you know, I just like to say that um, I feel like um, a lot of people are actually intimidated by the Moors, um, especially when they get to talking about um, identity and sovereignty. Um, I feel as though a lot of people um, don't feel good enough to partake in what they're doing because they may have an alternate perspective um, of what's really going on. Like, um, I guess when you look at our conditions, you know, um, in America, They'll look at the Moors and say, oh, well, you feel as though you're better, you know, um, you feel as though you're, you have a status that doesn't exist. And I feel as though there's a thin, like, there's a thin separation between the people because of that. So how can we bring the people together and get their attention off of the identity and the sovereignty shit, you know? Is there, is there something that you could recommend? I think it just comes from being, coming from a genuine and a sincere place. You know, so many times from the Moorish perspective, people fake it till they make it. They really don't know shit about nationality. They haven't really studied it. 
so they're bluffing. And then on the other side, you have people who really have no idea what nationality is anyways. Even if you try to tell them what nationality is, they'll argue down and try to tell you that, you know, they're a, a, a fictional status. Why? Because they don't know about nationality either. Nationality was one of the first things that they raped us from. That was one of the first things that were taken from us as soon as Africans reached the soil was your nationality. I was at a plantation and posted some pictures up in the, uh, in the forum, the Amara Squad um, African Moorish forum, the new forum, uh, this morning as a matter of fact. And it had a listing of about like 40 different nations from a plantation that I went to uh, two days ago in New Orleans. And in doing that, it's listed as Mandingo Nation, Igbo Nation, Nard Nation. These are on the walls that the slaves had when they arrived there. And this wall of honor was put back, and their nationalities were given back to them. So someone's thinking that it's just a Moorish nationality. These are Moors that don't understand nationality. If you were Mandingo, you had a nationality. If you were Wolof, you had a nationality. Everyone's nationality was taken from them. But at this particular plantation, it's set up to add clarity to all of that. The curators and the people who are actually walking us around the plantation, she stood there and she explained, this is not one of those normal plantations. Let me just make this plain to you. We're not going to show you the nice marble pillars and the beautiful gold and brass accents. We're not that type of a plantation. I'm sorry. That's okay, brother. Um, what she explained was that they would take the young teenage men that they called bucks and they would strip them naked and then sodomize them in front of every other slave systematically. Stripping them of their nationality, stripping them of their identity all simultaneously. This is what she said. So this is what that plantation was focused on. And this is the plantation that's telling you that your Mandingo nationality was taken from you. And here is the name of these people. And this is the history of these people. So this is that type of a planting. That's, that's what nationality is about. Understanding that you're not special just because you claim that you're a Moor. Nigga, you may not even be a Moor as far as the tribe that you're trying to claim. So if you're trying to tell me that I have to tell you that I'm a Moabite, I'm telling you that I'll define who I am. And that was before I even took my DNA test that had nothing to do with the Middle East. I have nothing to do with any kind of Canaanite and Moabite history genetically. I'm Sub-Saharan African, indigenous, uh, Creek, and Irish. That's what my DNA came up with. It had nothing to do with Moabite and Canaanite. And, that, and I never represented a Canaanite and Moabite even before I had my DNA test. It just didn't resonate with me. I'm still a Moor because Moors are indigenous to Africa, but don't have me be something or portray something that I'm not going to be. Because then you're trying to impose your view. I know that I'm a Khan. I know that I am from Guinea-Bissau, and this is genetically where I'm from, as well as branches of Mauritania, genetically. So once you can identify who you are, now you have technology on your side to prove that, that's where your start of nationality comes from. 
not thinking that you're special and then being able to use some legal jargon over people that you know won't understand what you're talking about. Because when you meet someone like me, I'm going to checkmate you right away to let you know that you're doing more harm, your detriment to the message that you're trying to portray. You should not be trying to belittle someone else and think that you're the special Negro just because you wear the title of more. You're not special. We're all in the same condition. We're all catching hell. So you have to find a common ground of where we're all in the same boat. We're all on the same ship. And once we're all on the same ship, then you can use the technology to find out what your identity is. And then in doing that, that's where you start to find out what your nationality really and truly is. Maybe starting off with mm -hmm. your family genealogy. Your family, family genealogy, your oral history is a very rich history. Grandma knows where she came from. Great-grandma told her where she came from. And great-great-grandmama told her where she came from. So your oral history is something that's very valuable, and don't let someone else try to tell you that your oral history is not valid. They know where they came from, and that's a rich oral history that is traditional with indigenous people. And we are the indigenous people of this planet Earth. And we come from Africa. We don't come from some mythical land of Mu or any other lies that Moors were trying to, to sell before I was very... Uh, crucial in debunking a lot of that stuff, going directly to the church ward family and exposing their lies and having them denounce their own forefathers for teaching that stuff to our people because our babies were being misled. So who's going to challenge the church ward family and say, you're telling our people's lies and I'm going to unleash a media attack on you and your family nonstop until you man up and denounce your forefathers because they're teaching lies and you're perpetuating that lie to our babies. So it's just putting things back into perspective. Use the technology, the genealogy, and that's where your start of nationality will come from. Welcome to you, sis. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I thought I was on mute. Okay. Hey, guys. Hey, peace. Sis. How are you doing? Peace. peace. All right. Peace, peace. <laughs> yeah. I'm Danielle, by the way, and... Um, I just joined the conversation, and everything that you guys are saying so far is the truth. And That's so great. <laughs> great to have you, Sister Danielle. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're just at, what we're doing is we're doing a, like a, a question and answer, just maybe some of the things that people may have about some of the Moors, not necessarily the Moors that are inside of the temple, but maybe some of the Moors that are outside of the temple, some things of maybe we can be more effective on trying to bridge the gap between what Moors represent and what, you know, the rest of the family represents also, because we're a part of that. But I think many times people think that Moors are these little separate, little special crew, and Moors mm -hmm. like to play up on that, too. You know, they'd be like, you know, they're getting into their little Moors sessions, and they're like, oh, them NBCs, that means Negro, Black, and Colors. Them NBCs over there, they don't know nothing about this. We got this little special club mm -hmm. over there. I know. Yeah, it's like, no, special. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we're just trying to find out what's the most effective way that we can kind of reach the people, you know what I mean, in an in a organized way. I think it's very, very important and crucial right now. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Of course, yes. I come from a, a pan-African uh, perspective. I mean, going back, I remember you mentioned Paul Cuffey. I remember one time you mentioned Paul Cuffey. Oh, yeah, great man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have Cromo and Blight and that tradition. I'm more of a in Kruma. And Kroom is Pan-African. Oh, yeah, some of our best, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> my concern is we come from so many different 
nations in Africa? How come we just can't say, look, let's be the United Nations of Africa or the United Global Africans and build our nationality from that perspective? Is there anything wrong with that? No. I think the United Nations, they give you a right to define your own nationality. Now, that can be something a nationality that's already established, or you actually have the right to, to establish your own nationality here and now. You know, so by you having the right to do that and protected by the United Nations as an indigenous person, then you simply move out on that. You just have to be organized on how you wish to do that. You find a title that's unified, and then you follow the advice of the elders that came before you. You study like Dr. John Henry Clark, where he deals with nationality, and he says that your name should tie you, tie you simultaneously to land, history, and culture. So you have to find and identify something which will do that for you. Something that's going to tie you instantaneously to land, history, and culture. So you do want it to be something that is historical. And we have so many, I mean, if you're an indigenous person of this planet Earth, you find one and you get in where you fit in. You know, you say, this is my identity or this is who I'm going to identify with. And if I want to call myself an American, I'm going to do that. This is my God. This is my constitution. And I'm moving out on that. And it's just as valid as any other white boy who did the same exact thing or any other Native American or any other child that we gave birth to. We gave birth to all of them. They're our children. And you treat them accordingly. I don't have some white person stand before me and tell me about African spirituality. You're not qualified to do that. I don't have someone else who's outside of my culture attempting to teach me about my culture in that way. So there may be something that I may pick up a value that I can apply in my own methodology, but you're my child. And if you come out of face, I will remind you of that. So we have to identify ourselves using the indigenous culture and information that we have. And we have an absolute right to make one up. No different than what the Jews did. New Zionists, that's not real. Israel's not real. They have no ties to that land over there. If you look at their genetics, they are, they are German. Those are German people who live, and then they use the Bible to justify certain actions. They use the Knesset and money and influence, and they established their homeland. The original Jewish homeland was in South America, and they actually started to move there. And then in between 35 to 45, they said, oh, you know, we don't want to move to South America. We want to go over to the Middle East. And then they selected Palestine. Palestine was the backup. So, you know, understanding history, and they're comfortable with that. You don't hear Jews arguing back and forth about who's more Jew than the other like that. They might talk about it in some forms in a really organized way, but they don't bang each other over the head. I don't have like a lot of Moors on my Facebook page. I don't need somebody telling me every day I'm a Moor. I don't give a fuck. Like you're wasting my time telling me every day how Moorish you are to the point of nauseam of, okay, I get it. Now, how are we going to either make this money, how are we going to change our condition, and how are we going to unify if not, then you're wasting my time, see, and I don't have time for that, and, and we shouldn't have time for that. Telling me how great I am in my glory every single day is counterproductive, so that's what we really need to focus on, bro. And in a Pan-Africanist way, that's, that's the method to go. In a Pan-Africanist way, then that's really where you can unify not only, not only the Africans that are here, but the Africans where you connect with over in Europe, Africans that are all over the planet, and that's really one of the most uh, broader and effective ways that we can kind of unify.
I have a Sorry. question. I have a question ish. Sure. Um, yes, sir. I, mm -hmm. I can wait if you would like to let one of the new participants join in. Um, Absolutely. If nobody, okay, if nobody had a question, uh, or if one of the other gentlemen, uh, James, or the other young lady, Daniel, if they had any questions, go ahead, please. All right, well, I'll, I'll I mean, lay that. Okay, go ahead, man. Okay, um, so my question, like, it has to deal with the whole sovereignty thing because it's a lot of Moors walking around claiming that, oh, um, we cleanse our nationality, so now we have sovereignty and rights to this land and blah, 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 we're free and all this other stuff. But the way I see it basically is that they're all living in an illusion because we're not really sovereign. I mean, how are you calling yourself sovereign and you you still working for the white man? You own no land, own properties. So how are you I think that the audio had kind of interrupted, but you were asking about the sovereignty. Yeah, right, right? the sovereignty yeah. thing. Yeah, and I think that's a very valid point. I think what, what we deal with here in America is we deal with... Um, semi-sovereignty. So I guess that's like being a little pregnant because <laughs> either you are or you aren't. Sovereignty means that you're free. But we do, in America, we do with the semi-sovereignty. Even if you are Native American, you may have nationhood. You may be making a lot of money. You know, there's some tribes here that make like twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 a month, you know, just being, just running casinos and getting paid. And the sheriffs cannot come just on your land. And, and they have to get permission to come on your land and deal with certain things. And I, I spent a couple years working directly with, uh, with the Seminole government um, uh, for the Seminole tribe. So I understand how that works. So that's semi-sovereignty because at the end of the day, nothing's really stopping the U.S. government from straight deboing you. If they really wanted to come and it's really, really popping, nothing's stopping what they really want to do. So it's kind of like it's established for commerce. But you're free, but you're not really, really free. And if they bodied somebody, they would go to jail just like anyone else. So it's a semi-sovereignty. When you're really sovereign, sovereign means free. You know, so when you're really sovereign, that means that you really got backup. You got muscle. And in order to do that, that's, that's the whole level of sovereignty that you're really, really talking about. And even if you have an army, I mean, Gaddafi was sovereign. It didn't stop. We really had to go down when it went down. So we deal with certain levels of sovereignty. Now, as for a Negro who then puts on a hat and then says, I'm sovereign, but yet you're squatting in a house and don't expect to get arrested, you're fooling yourself because that's Negro behavior. Number one, you're setting yourself up for failure by having the wrong type of a mentality. If you're going to take over a house that's in foreclosure, why wouldn't you take over a farm? So then it's not going to raise a lot of attention. You've now sent your paperwork to the bank, and now you're growing land or you're growing food on your land, and that's an effective way of flying under the radar. But, oh, no, not the Negro. He wants to go and move into the mansion with the chandeliers living nicer than the lawyer that lives right next door to him and the judge that lives down the street and the police that live two blocks away. Now the little white children are pointing at your black ass in that house living nicer than them and you really think that they're not going to come and get you. And you think that putting this piece of paper up here in front of this, this, this little gate 
is really going to stop them. Mind you, you're living nicer than the judge, and you think that they're not going to debo you. So that's just that Negro mentality. If you were flying under the radar, they wouldn't have messed with you at all, to be perfectly honest with you. There are people who live, that, that submit that paperwork, and it's not because you're more. It's because you understand how the laws work, and you understand that the laws and the foreclosure laws, you could then say, you know what, I'm submitting this, I'm getting this out of foreclosure, and now I own it, I paid off the taxes, and now, boom, you fly under the radar. But once you start getting too flashy with it, you know, you know how that, that whole Frank Lucas thing, you want to come in the chinchilla and the whites and sit in the front row, and you just got to show everybody, oh, it's popping. Now you've drawn the wrong type of attention, and in doing that, you make these enemies, and then they start to say, now I have to make an example out of you so that you don't awake the other Negroes. And that's what our brother Wesley Snipes had to realize, that even though you had X amount of millions of dollars, they will make an example out of you because the example of what you're setting will set precedence for other people that may come behind you. So they'll make an example of you. Even when they had Wesley Snipes up on his charges, he actually paid out of pocket to say, well, how much do I owe you? What is it? Five million or whatever? Here's six million dollars. They took his check and said, we'll take your money and we're still going to put you in prison. So they took his money, still put him in prison, and he paid more than what he, they said that he owed. Why? Because by the time he wanted to come out of his pocket to pay, they had already been embarrassed. And it was already time. It was 11.59 now. And now they had the upper hand of saying, you know what? We're going to take your money, still put you in prison, because we have to make an example out of you. So that's where that sovereignty comes from. You know, the sovereignty is not really real here in America. There's no treaty that America is bound to honor. They say that the treaty is the highest law of the land, but you have to study the head money case. If you study the head money case, that is case law that proves that any treaty that America signs, whether it's the treaty of peace and friendship or whatever, it can be overridden by the United States government if it's in the best interest of the government at any time. Again, that case is called the head money cases. If I could, that's that's very similar, you know, same way they, they can impeach a president. So Ish is exactly right. Ish, I would like to get your view um, on something that I recently came across, and it, it, I watched it play out live, and then I would also like to get in, in Yami's, you know, view as a pan-Africanist. Now, Ish, we know uh, February 2017 elections are coming up, uh, you know, mainly the presidential elections. We know the more notoriously are, are heavily involved in politics. Now, I, may, I recently made a statement live on air where I said that I personally thought that everybody should exercise their right to vote. I feel that they have a voice. They should use it. That way you at least know yourself. You can sleep, sleep well at night knowing that you at least tried. It's your right. Now you have others that say your vote really doesn't matter. Regardless of the way the, the, the poll numbers come out and the statistics and no matter what, they're going to put whoever they want in office. And uh, another thing they may say then is that, well, in this situation, and, and I, I understand it and, and I, I agree with it, that in this situation it seems like we're faced with the lesser of two evils. So, Ish, in your opinion, should the people vote? 
do you really think that your vote matters? And me personally, I think it matters more on a local, uh, a local municipality, a, a city, or a county, or a state level, and I'll briefly tell you why. On the day that the polls are open, if I'm able to go to the local high school, the local public library, and I'm familiar with who's running, what position they're running for, and I'm familiar with their background, their the, any kind of businesses or groups or communities that they were involved in maybe before they entered the political realm. And I know what they endorse. Maybe I, I might have a better understanding of what they're pushing for. I, I may know an agenda. Maybe I'm able to you know, understand that they're pro-abortion or they're pro-choice, pro-life. Maybe I know their views on problems related to homosexuality. And, and I'm able to stand out there on voting day and maybe engage in some kind of dialogue with the people that are about to go in and privately cast their vote. And I can tell them, I'm against this and why. And did you know that so-and-so endorses this type of behavior? So-and-so is, is, you know, pro-choice and, and supports abortion. I might be able to tell them that so-and-so thinks that some freakish transgender, you know, uh, male with breasts is, is going to be allowed to use the same restroom as your daughter and your wife. So do you think your vote counts? Is it just a false sense of hope? And do you feel that people should vote-ish? I think those are a lot of valid points that you make on that. Um, I would definitely beg to differ on one statement that you made early. You said that you know Moors are, are knowledgeable about politics, and that's simply not true. I think Moors are actually uh, quite ignorant of political science. Um, but I think that it is something that a lot of Moors are trying to get on board with um, in, in order to understand how politics works. Um, I think one of the quotes of one of the great political greats, uh, Tip O'Neill, he stated that all politics are local, and I would tend to concur with that. By all politics being local, as you accurately stated, if you start from the local level, you're able to find out that you can tangibly make changes, and you're able to see the cause and effect of the power of your vote. By someone choosing to vote for this councilman, this councilman can then go and get funding that can open up community center here, or maybe bring an influx of jobs here, and you're able to see the tangible changes of the cause and effect. You bringing in this councilman, this councilman then working on behalf of this board, they then contact the mayor, the mayor gets the funding from the state, and then you start to see the tangible changes in your neighborhoods and in your communities. So that's starting from the local level. Where you start to lose your pulse of the accountability is when the mayors start to deal with the senators and the congressmen, and then the accountability, everything gets blurry because there's nobody checking them. Whoever sells out the aspirations of our people should fear with their life. And unless they understand that they're tangible and that they can be touched, then they're not going to be accountable to you. So by them saying one thing, and then the moment the politicians are over, you don't hear from them again as soon as the elections are over. Because there's no accountability of what they promised you, and they can just sit there and do the 
the whip and the nene, and you get all excited about it because they tickle the little negro, the little negro vibes that you love so much. They already know this. So let me just sit here, hit adapt, and then after that, boom, I got the negro vote now. We good. I got the negro churches on board. Good. Once you got those two on board, the negroes in your pocket. Then the other people, they get tangible changes. The Asians, the gays, the Latinos, they get the tangible changes. So they understand that, you know what, all I got to do this to get the Negro vote. After that, they're on ice. And that's the unfortunate part. We don't understand the power of our votes because we don't even do it on the local level. So if we're not even doing it on the local level where you can see the tangible change, it's going to be a lost cause when they can only just have to do one thing on a TV show knowing that they already have you in your pocket and you're not demanding anything. The people who really wanted us to demand things from Obama, the two key figures were Tavis Smiley and Cornel West. But the problem was it's not so much what they were saying was wrong, it was the motive of why they were saying what they were saying. They only got critical of Obama when they didn't get an invitation to his inauguration. Once they got slighted for the inauguration, they felt like slighted, and then they reacted like little bitches, and then they sat there and said, you know what, he's a bad guy. So now, you wanted to go to the party. If he would have just invited them to the party, they wouldn't have had nothing to say. They would have been sitting in the front row cheesing, taking pictures and everything else. But once they got slighted, they brought up very valid points of accountability of how the black community should have been holding President Obama accountable for the things that he said versus the things that he actually did. So their motive was unpure, but their words rang very, very true. And that's something that we have to do not only to Obama, of course, but to any politician that stands before us. Have an agenda and hold those politicians accountable for the things that they say. Because right now, you can bring up some blatant statements that Hillary Clinton made. And Hillary Clinton is getting a free ride. There's no black people putting any true pressure on them. And the people that are doing it, the certain groups that do, they have their own agenda. So they're looking for their own things, and they're going to slide in their own agenda at the same time. Whether it's the gay and lesbian, whether it's the Latino, whether it's the Jews, whatever. They're going to slide in their own personal agenda before it even reaches the black people. So we, as a united people, should have our own agendas on the local level and then expand that to the broader level. So I hope that added some clarity to your question, brother. It did, and I think you gave a, a, well, a well thought out and a thorough explanation. Thank you, Ish. And, and Yami, as a Pan-Africanist, um, you know, maybe from your from your view or, or your uh, state of mind, would you care to elaborate in the other? I mean, I, I agree with everything what Ish just said. All I can do is, is parrot. Now, at the presidential level, if that's the only time we vote, it's too late. You know, I mean, we, we miss too many opportunities. Like, I work in the field what's called electrical construction. You know, you have your electrical engineers, you have your architects, you have your technicians, and there's so many public works that are out there. I mean, you have, you have to maintain the lights, you have to maintain the schools, the airports, 
And the same thing with HVAC, all these different contracts that go out from your local government. And if you if you don't have a contact within that local go government, I mean, we are mi missing billions of dollars because we're not involved in that process. <clears throat> I'm in Dallas now. When I was in New Orleans, I will always go to the city council meeting, talk to the city councilman, and say, man, what you guys got coming up? And they would say, in six months, we, we have a public project coming up, so keep your slate clean. You know, those things are important because they create jobs for us. Now you drive through Dallas, you see Hispanics with all the work, and those are million-dollar jobs that's going to these Hispanic companies. I know a Hispanic company that was awarded a $25 million contract at the airport. That's the type of money that we need. So <clears throat> the local level is so important. Us getting involved with the city council, us, we know who the city council, even if we just had 2,000 people within our organization to go and talk to the city, that's enough to uh, get the backing of that city council member. And you have a couple businesses along within your organization, that's how you build power. So it's not just economics, and it's not just politics, it's both. I mean, you have to be able to play that game all at the same time. And so voting and knowing your politician is one aspect of nation building. I mean, we, we have to start somewhere. And for us, yes, it's, it's entrepreneurship, building businesses, but also getting involved in that city government because that's where the big money is. I mean, the real money is when they, that them dollars come in to maintain the schools and to maintain the roads and all that, <clears throat> you're talking billions and billions of dollars and we're not getting involved in it um, for whatever reason, but that's where we need, we need those type of people. We need to train up our children in those areas. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very, very valid point that, that you make on that also. Because, you know, you can see how those Hispanics get the contracts now. Those aren't the same contracts that they started off with. Right. They used to, they used to get those contracts of, of picking. And that was the contracts that nobody wanted. Right. But then they started to stack that up and accumulate that. And now if you look at who does a lot of the different road works in different cities, a lot of those are road work contracts. And those are Hispanic people that are out there with the flags and the vests and all that stuff. Right. And, and, and other different contracts. Multi-million dollar contracts. And in doing that, they started off on one level that nobody wanted to do, but then they flipped it. And then they started to find avenues of how do you network and putting certain key politicians in place. Right. Those key politicians say, oh, well, you running for president or you running for senator? I need some funding over here. And then they started on that backdoor route doing that kind of stuff. That's how those Hispanic laws get passed. That's how those gay rights get passed. But when the black people get in the office, they start to shut that door. They don't look for anybody who's trying to, nigga, you trying to get my job. And they start to close that door right away. They don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. They don't want to be one of those upset Negroes that labeled that. So they start to shut that door immediately behind them, not looking out for their own people the same way that other people unapologetically look out for their subcultures. So we have to understand that there's, you know, we have to change our own mindset of even the people that we put into the office. If there's one of those handkerchief-head Negroes who are just going to be quiet and not even look out for us in the first place, we have to identify them and then find somebody who is going to speak 
on a grassroots level for us. In Syracuse, New York, my hometown, we have a councilman, Khaled Bay, and Khaled speaks on behalf of the broader amount of people. It's a very powerful voting section of the town, and then he's running for mayor, but he's already had a broad base of running for two terms. And in doing that, there are also other moors already in place in certain areas within the city, and we all work as a cohesive unit to look out for the betterment of our community as a whole. So it's in a very organized way in which we have already identified things and put our, our, our pawn pieces in place. And now those pawns then become bishops and rooks and moving right on up. So this is how we identify things in our city. But other people would have to do that within their city, and that's how you find out they'd be very, very effective. Right, I agree. I agree. So. Did anyone else have any other questions at all or something that they wanted to highlight? It isn't even just limited to, to just, you know, some, some of the political things or maybe just some economic things, um, overall Moorish history, um, so many different things that we can kind of, you know, just, just touch upon lightly. Um, what are some of the things that, that, that y'all get, if y'all are familiar with the works of Amara Squad, what are some of the things that you, that you think that the squad can do? in order to better um, serve the people and the masses of the people. What are some of the things that you, you may see on that? Mm, greetings. I hope that you all can, uh, can hear me. Brother Ish, I appreciate you uh, opening up this uh, forum to speak on this. Um, few of you probably don't things. know me. You, you probably don't know me, but Brother Ish and I go back, you know, many, many years from, from the beginning of the Armin Ross squad. And uh, I have admired the work that he has, has done, you know, over the years, the whole squad. You know, like I say, my family has literally uh, grown up <laughs> uh, with you all. So I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that I would like to see is is, is kind of you, you, you've already started doing it, uh, promoting uh, our businesses, you know, whether it's in the, the Facebook or whether it's on the uh, radio program or on YouTube, it's just getting in touch uh, with the brothers and sisters in, in all the regions. Matter of fact, throughout the you know the whole diaspora, and just kind of promoting uh, those businesses as to uh, what they were doing. I also wanted to touch base with the the gentleman that spoke earlier, saying that he was from Dallas, uh, and with me being in the same area, I didn't know if he had hooked up with uh, Empowering Oak Cliff. Uh, if you go on the Facebook, if you just add me on the Facebook, and then you'll see uh, Brother uh, Israel Finnan. He's the uh, co-chair of uh, Empowering Oak Cliff, and they have the ear of Councilman Casey Thomas here in uh, in Dallas. Uh, and if you don't know, he is um, going to be running for mayor here soon. So he's doing a lot of things in Oak Cliff. You also want to check with uh, Miss Ray. Uh, Miss Ray is the uh, owner and uh, CEO of uh, Deep in the Roots. It's a natural hair salon there in South Dallas off of MLK. So those are the two people that I would say definitely connect with and hook up with because they have the ear of Councilman uh, Casey Thomas and uh, just several other people in the community is doing things. I would like to see us on a on a level as to networking. Like you said, I mentioned before on that, that local level, uh, I've been involved in local politics, getting up and speaking in meetings and looking back and no one else is there so much to the point to now when I walk into council chambers, the mayor asked me, you know, do I have anything to say when I'm just sitting there? 
Um, so that's where it really starts on your local level. If you can, you know, you have someone backing and have an understanding, and start, let's start grooming uh, these younger brothers and sisters um, for politics. Let's not wait to the year of an election uh, to start saying, okay, with well, this person, I think you should run. Let's start vetting these people, you know, three and four years out. Let's start, if, if you are good in economics, then school that brother, that sister on economics. If you're good, you know, government law, then that's what we need to do. That's what I would like to see more often because all of us have something to bring, some talent, some gift to bring to the table. And uh, everyone doesn't know everything. And I'm definitely one to claim that I, I know nothing. I'm forever learning. And I'm going to get off my soapbox. But I, I just appreciate the opportunity. And I appreciate you opening up uh, this, this format, Brother Ish. Yes, sir, Brother James. So good to have you, family. And I, I think What's your Facebook name again, brother. I'm sorry. You'll you'll find me on Facebook under A James and then Tutson, just like King Tutson, T U T S O N. And then just send me a message, and I'll make sure that you connect uh, with everyone else in the group that I mentioned. But Empowering Oak Cliff, they're the group that's really doing things. And uh, it it um, and then Miss Ray with Deep in the Roots out of South Dallas there off of MLK. So you may want to make sure that you definitely connect with Brother Israel Finnan Finnan F I N I N E N and uh, Miss Ray in the city of Dallas. All right, I'll be getting contact with you. And and that's the value. That's the value of what we have by using social media in the right way. You know. I'm a Raw Squad is, is, you know, started off as just a virtual group, you know, a virtual group of people that were focused on scholarship, and then it just ended up growing and evolving to the point to where we're now, you know, clothing ourselves, we're branching off into feeding ourselves, and also making sure that we can deal with holistic living as a whole. Just starting off as, like I said, just as a virtual group of, of individuals, uh, Brother Ankh and myself. So I think by us, you know, focusing on things like making sure that we can clothe ourselves and, and, and the shirts and the, and the jackets and the shoes and, and all these other things. These are things that we should already be mandatorily doing. You know, why wear someone else's clothes when we have the skills and the abilities in order to do that? And it looks fresher. You know, I feel much better. I feel much better when I put on my, you know, one of my Magi sweatshirts and I just wear it with pride knowing that that's my crew. And it's made by us, you know, and, and, you know, I walk better and I feel better, you know. So us being able to clothe ourselves and, and, and you know, making sure that we can now start to focus on growing our own food and distributing our own foods and networking like that. If you're two brothers that are in the same city or even in the same region, you know, you find out and maybe put together events to where you can make sure that you're networking with people in your own area. Why? Because you're now in control of you two working together and setting up something at a public library or at a community center or something like that. So that's the value of us using social media as a tool, not as a destructive thing, you know, not as a weapon, but as an actual tool. But also a very important part of what we do and what we need to develop is public speaking, understanding how propaganda works. If you know somebody that speaks very well or somebody who can know how to conduct themselves in the public and in the media, they should, you should ask them, brother, sister, can you teach me how you do what you do so that I can know how to combat some of these things that we're facing? Some of the most vicious things that you will hear are from the same very people that you're trying to help. You'll find some of the most hateful and harmful things that will come from the same exact people that you try to uplift. 
and the people who will do be the agents and the people that will do the most harm to you are the same exact people that you laid on your life for. And I've seen teachers that came before me sacrifice everything that they had only to be betrayed by the same exact people that they wanted to love so much and they, they wanted to uproot, uh, they wanted to reach and, and uplift. And those are the people who will betray you. So, you know, it's a thankless job sometimes. But if you see that people are talented in certain ways, you can say, sister or brother, can you teach me this? Or maybe that brother and sister will take the time to just, you know, initiate it themselves and say, well, brother, well, sister, you know, you know, like for me, I, I, I do public speaking, so I don't mind assisting people with public speaking. I think it's very important that we be the mouth that whenever the news come out, they always find the most, the most bad representative for us. I think they look for it on purpose. Like, oh, there goes somebody with a head rag on. Let's go put a microphone in front of them. And before you know it, they ask the person that's the internet sensation, the most ignorant motherfucker on the planet. Like, damn, you put us back another 10 years. But if you find somebody else, you, you have a whole army of people that are very well spoken, and they understand how the game goes, and they know how to lock in on the enemy in an articulate way. Man, it cuts like a knife, man. It puts the enemy back on their heels, and they know, damn, he locked me up so tight, it's checkmate before he even opened up their mouth. And that's a mean sister. That's a mean brother that can articulate exactly what they need to say and they can lock in on that. So, you know, that's something that we can do through the media too. Because I see some of our athletes, they can really use some tips. They have a lot of money and they can't talk worth anything. <laughs> so we can use our skill of, you know, having our great minds and, and our ability to network, and we should definitely take advantage of that. I, I guess one thing briefly that I can touch on-ish when, when you're speaking on the Amon Ross squad, you, you know, evidently, obviously-ish, and Yami, you, you guys are familiar with my, my upbringing, my background. Uh, the demographics, the area I live in, and things like that. So when, when you're speaking, we were discussing, you know, the, the economics and political systems and, and being active in those. Um, I live in Prince George's County. It's, it's a very nice area. It borders Washington, D.C. here in Maryland. And it's a very diverse area. You, you, you've got African Americans, Asians, Hispanic, Latino. You've got Middle Eastern. You've got everything you could imagine right here. And so, uh, when when Ish was mentioning the the uh, the Moorish brother that that's in politics in his hometown, and we were speaking on on our vote and our our voice and, and trying to use it and and make some changes. Now I've found, and this is just me personally. Usually, eight out of ten times, if I do my research, uh, and I'm familiar with the candidates on, on a local level here, eight out of ten times, my vote usually goes with the minorities. Um, whether or not you consider yourself a minority, obviously that's a, your own right. But I find that uh, for the area we're in, the the uh, salary range that most of the people make in this area. Usually, my vote uh, and the, you know, my decision, the best interest, is usually the same as the African American community. And you'll also find that a lot of the times, like Ish mentioned, 
you know, when it's when it's time for elections and that election day is is fast approaching, uh, they're at the local schools and they're they're so concerned, you know, with the with the board of education and and the education of the children, and they're so concerned with the local churches and they're so concerned with the Chamber of Commerce and they're so concerned about the local DAV chapter and the, the disabled American vets and things like that. Consequently, if they do win and they are elected, they're in office, you rarely see them at those events and functions. You very, very rarely see them. And it's unfortunate. And now when Ish mentioned the Amit Rasquad, I would just go to myself as an example and just give a brief testimonial. Uh, Jonathan Owens, the Magi, okay? I, I was familiar with him because of his music career, being, being signed to a major recording label at a young age. But what I didn't know until I got familiar with the Amin Ra Squad and started listening to their blog talk show and watching their YouTube channels is... Uh, Jonathan has the type of accolades that money can't buy, okay? You you can't buy your own day in, in Oakland. I believe Oakland's the city, okay? You, you can't buy that, okay? He has obviously uh, been, you know, uh, tested, uh, definitely put in a, a lot of community activism to, to be awarded that. I also recently... When I say recently, I mean over the last couple of years. Besides that achievement, I, I found out that uh, he had been in touch with the curator of the Cairo Museum and has the documented communication of that curator actually admitting to him that some of his translations and transliterations uh, of the Metanetra and dealing with the hieroglyphs were actually uh, correct and on point. Now, they actually didn't go public and announce that to the world, but for, for that kind of achievement, that kind of scholarship, I had to learn that myself just by giving you know him some time, watching his live streams, listening to the radio shows. Uh, for example, I, I don't have the same you know religious beliefs maybe as you know the Amen Ra squad. Uh, but I, I know Ish and Unk are have started a, a uh, GoFundMe or something similar like that to get books to those that are incarcerated so that while they're there, uh, they can study for their GED if they're young and, and maybe they don't have a high school diploma. Uh, they could possibly, you know, get their studies up, take some community college classes and receive some credits. Also, they're providing alternative reading so that they can, you know, elevate their level of consciousness and, and you know, occupy that time and, and try and take as much as they can out of that experience so that when they are released, when, when they are brought back into society, they'll be better equipped to, to make the changes, the social changes, They'll be better equipped to possibly find a job because we know that it is hard as a convicted felon to come out of prison and then try to support yourself, uh, you know, with that type of strike against your record. So, you know, I'm familiar with some of the things you guys got going on. I've, I've made donations before. Uh, I'll continue to support some of those righteous causes. 
And uh, yeah, Ish, I, I just I had to learn for myself, good brother. I, I had to learn. I think I, I think that's what makes it more so so much you know so so effective. Brother brother Jonathan is someone that I call a Renaissance man. You know his his talent. He's just you know, the creator has blessed him. And for him to select us, it's, it's certainly not a case of us selecting him. For him to select us, it's an honor to be humble as a comrade of his and as a student and also as a teacher. But just to be in his environment, it's a, it's a gift. You know, I ask Jonathan sometimes, how does it feel to have Notorious B.I.G. spitting over one of your beats? You as a producer and to have a legend spit more than a hot 16 over something that you create and then have Big Boy from Outkast call you an influence and then simultaneously you have the mind enough to be so dedicated to your studies that you can challenge world scholars how, can, how, how does that happen? how do you feel? you know and then he'll ask me something just as profound how does it feel so and so and so and so you know be up 12 o'clock late at night with the FBI on your back with college or something. He asked me something like, but for him, he's a gift. So what you do is you honor him, you appreciate him while he's here, and you put him to work. Because his work, he hasn't even started yet. As far as what he can do for the masses of the people, he has to be challenged. But this is a man who's spent over 20 years as a professional entertainer with the name hieroglyphics. I mean that alone for him for, for him to be one of the founding members and to have that insight of something back that far and to be eating off of that for 20 plus years that itself is an achievement. You know that man goes all over the world with his group. You know so he's just an amazing person and I'm surrounded by a group of amazing people you know and I'm honored to be considered by them just as profound but we're all a group of lions so the only thing that I can do when I'm in the presence of Dr. Oya Mayat is to shut up and I allow her to teach me and as she teaches me then I can take the values of what the Queen passes on to me and I can internalize it and then I can share with someone else and when I'm in the presence of brother Ankh, I can hush and I can learn and I can understand where he's coming from and I can apply the values of what he's teaching me so that I can then teach the masses of the people but that all just comes from creating an environment of scholars and people who have a sincere love for us and then systematically being able to organize that information and it go out so yeah I mean I, I could talk about the accolades of someone like Jonathan to nauseam, but he's just a gift, and I thank Allah for him. Does someone else have a have a question at all or comment at all? I do want to say, uh, go, go ahead, brother James. Go ahead, brother James. No, I, I apologize. I'll be, I'll be brief. Um, uh, when the brother was mentioning about, 
you know, the books and I and I know you and I had touched bases and I have been trying to scramble some personal things. So, I mean, I have uh, tons of books um, from my educator days that I would like to donate to the to the program. But it was mentioned about also uh, once the brothers and sisters get out, you know, placing them with with programs. And um, I'm one of those that whatever one's personal religious beliefs are. I'm fine with that. If I can work with you, it's about the uplifting and building of our people. I'm good. I'm fine with that. So uh, I didn't know if you all were familiar with the uh, Tory program. It's T O R I, the Texas Offender Reentry Initiative. It's here out of Dallas, out of with Bishop Jakes and uh, Judge Mathis. And what they do is, is they place uh, ex-offenders with jobs. I mean, not, well, let me rephrase that: with careers. Because there are a lot of corporations that uh, will hire ex-offenders, but they don't come out and broadcast it because the co-workers will look at you, you know, with a slanted eye and say, "Oh, you did this and you did that." But there's actually a placement program. It's the Tory program, uh, Texas Offender Reentry Program, and they have a uh, as a graduation process. They go and at the end of their time, and they, they of course they have to attend counseling and how to reintegrate themselves into society. And at the end of the program, they, they come and they, they meet at the potter's house and they have this, this great ceremony while their families are involved. They get, um, you know, uh, speakers to come out and, and, and speak to them, inspirational speakers. But it's an outstanding uh, program that I participated from the level as being one of those employers to uh, employ those ex-offenders. So that's an excellent program. You may want to look that up. If you don't have time, I can send you the links to that as well. But that's one of the things that are here in Texas. I noticed one in Dallas, San Antonio, and I believe Austin, just here in the state of Texas. And I don't know if it's um, up in uh, in Michigan as well. I'm not certain with Judge Mathis, but I'll find that out. But I do know here in Texas that that's an excellent, excellent program. I mean, for Judge Mathis and for T.D. Jakes to invest in something like that, that is very, very important. And that is definitely something that we should definitely circulate and something that we should promote because that's something that's definitely positive. You know, when I decided to come to Ankh and say that we should set up that 10 buck two book program, that was for that type of a purpose of just making sure that the people who are inmates to let them know that they're still our family and that we love them. And if, if we can do anything that can get them acclimated easier back into society, if that's getting access to books either for their legal defense, whether it's to, to, to build up on on just the knowledge, the overall knowledge, then that's something that we should do because they're our family and we love them. And there's nothing there's not gonna be any kind of a wall, any kind of bars that's gonna stop me from showing and supporting the family. We love them. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that they get access to those books either through Black Nobel Bookstore, which was very accommodating and welcoming to us in February when we had a, a nice uh, sold out show there in Philadelphia. We all got a chance to make that but either through Black and Nobel or through Amazon Books, we uh, we make sure that these inmates that we sponsor get access to those particular books. And Brother Jonathan also has a program that also works for inmates that gets them to be publishers. So through the Magi Publishing, uh, he wants to make sure that we can get as many of our people as published authors as possible. So he actually has a program that will assist people get uh, get books published properly. So that's another branch of what we're doing also. So just finding out what are the needs of the people to understand that Dr. Oyamayata is focusing on the babies and the children. 
you know. So we have a broad array of people that we're trying to touch and to serve in a proper way. So to make sure they're getting animated lessons, to make sure that they're getting the things important like access to books, even if you're in the penitentiary, we're here to serve you and to let you know that we we, we haven't forgotten about you. You know, so if there's conflict resolution either within the family or within the community, we try to make sure that we're just not just dealing with just scholarship and books. We've now branched off to do a whole lot of other things in an organized way. As our families grow, um, Tomasi Warrior Clan, um, Team Osiris, any, anything we're trying to branch off and grow into, we want to make sure it's always in the service of the people. And that's so different even, even with my emphasis on the Moorish history. It was my job to reach out to Sharif to make sure that the information at the Moors on a broader scale, that they get an understanding that our scholarship is not limited to a Circle 7 Quran. We chop heads off on any level. So if you think they're just going to come up and smack a fez off our head and we're just going to take an L, you know, because the Moors were the stepping stone for so long, no, this is a new day. We spent the last five to seven years putting in that work. So it really doesn't matter who you put in front of us. You know, it, it truly doesn't. There's certain moors that you really just, you, you'd be better off just walking adjacent when you see us. So, you know, if you get identified as one of those type of moors and I put my work behind you, it's an easy win. It's going to be a real easy day at the office. So, you know, a, a more like Sharif Bay, he's one of my teachers. Sharif Bay is, is, he's a man that I've known for 30 years. He's a fierce scholar on the highest level. So there's going to be certain moors that I roll with you know, whether it's uh, Professor Rysel, Sharif Bay, and maybe a select few others, you know, just walk adjacent and don't take the L, have a good day, you know, with those kind of moors. There's other moors I can't advocate for. I can't advocate for somebody who's squatting in houses and doing the foolishness stuff, you know. I'm going to reach out to them as brothers and sisters and get them back in line. Maybe it'll work for them. But if you're dealing with something like the Tory program, the reentry initiative, that's something that we should all be supporting just as African people. So I definitely salute Judge Mathis and you know the, the influence that he has. Um, T.D. Jakes, the influence that he has. Those are people that we should definitely put our support behind and I support that 110%. So um, I, I definitely want to say that for y'all to take y'all time out of your, your Saturday, you know, again, time is very, very valuable, and there's no more wasting time. You know, for y'all to take your, your, you know, a part of y'all Saturday to spend time getting the knowledge and the information, I want to salute each and every one of you, whether you're viewing this now, whether you view it later, or just to take your time and just to engage into the conversation. You know, uh, as a five percenter, it says that, you know, it's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So you put it in that order, you know. You, you put it in that proper order, you look for the knowledge, you then apply the wisdom, and then you get your proper understanding, and you get blessings for that. So, you know, for y'all to take your time to do that, that's something that I'm definitely humbled, and uh, I salute each and every one of y'all for doing that. Um, did y'all have any other questions or any other topics, maybe, or something that maybe I can expound upon, or get some access to someone that can answer it for you? You know, if y'all do have any questions, please feel free to ask them, and uh, I'll be happy to assist. Also, what are what are, what are your opinions? What are your opinions on the Bambada situation? What what are, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? 
everyone should have a viewpoint on something as serious as what's transpiring within hip-hop. This is something that's cutting into the core of the culture. So what what is your opinion about hip-hop? Hello. And Bambada. The uh, Sister Danielle, did you have something you wanted to say? About? Okay, I, yeah, I got a lot to say about this. Okay. Because it's not just about the hip-hop thing. Like, we have to put the hip-hop thing aside for a second and just look at the issue at hand. Because, okay, whether he's a child molester or not, that's not going to affect hip-hop. Hip-hop is something is something on its own. That's our culture or whatever. That's our our art, our music, you know. But the whole Bambada situation, I mean, the, I mean, the issue of rape and child molestation, that's something, that's an issue that is very rampant throughout the whole black community as a whole. And I feel like black people have a habit of just brushing things under the rug and not addressing it. And they think that just because he's African pop that, oh, it's okay for him to, you know, molest and touch his little boys or and you know, you got some of these kind of oh oh the government is just after African Bambada and they're trying to um destroy hip hop. And I'm like, it's not really destroying hip hop. I mean he did what he did. He touched those little boys and he needs to take his punishment for it. I mean, I feel like more people in our community should be standing up and, and speaking out against him. Oh, man. You, 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 you are absolutely right on that. That's what's amazing to me. You have major artists that aren't saying anything at all. You even have old school artists mm-hmm. who are saying nothing. And we're talking about I don't, I don't know if the silence is because they're complicit and they've participated in this. I don't know why somebody will remain silent over something that's as crucial as this. And you're so correct that as a broader community, there's an element of sexual abuse and people suffering in silence. And this is something that we have to address. We have to be able to address the abuse of children because childhoods are being robbed and innocent lives are being affected and harmed on an entirely different level. You know, so whether it's an uncle, whether it's a family friend, whether it's a cousin, whether it's anybody, we have to be able to set up a forum where the people that are harmed Mm. can feel comfortable enough to bring this to people's attention because it's doing some irreparable harm. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like our people really need to need healing. I mean, we went through how many years of slavery? Over 500 years of slavery? And then after we became, so, quote-unquote, free, I mean, we never healed from those mental and emotional scars. So, I mean, I mean, they were raping our women and children on the plantations, and the men, too. And we still kind of carried on that same cycle, you know. So it's very rampant in the black community. I feel like a lot of the people in the so-called conscious community are trying to justify it now. You know, you got some of these people saying that, oh, age is not a number and that, oh, um, it's all about the spirit. You know, we're, we're the same age and spirit and stuff like that. Just stupid stuff, you know, right. little stupid stuff to justify things that are clearly wrong. And the whole consciousness, consciousness movement is not doing anything because it's just a bunch of transferred energy. You know, they're doing the same thing that they were doing when they were, quote, unquote, un- unconscious. So. Right. Right. And, and, and I think that we, um, 
as a whole, we have to take an honest look at the way that we've reacted to some of these situations also. You know, not, I don't know if all of us, but too many people were still supporting R. Kelly mm -hmm. and still bumping his music after the abuses of what he was doing to children. So how can we now be in a position to say this person should be held accountable when at the same time you were still promoting R. Kelly and what he was doing to children. So we have to be consistent and, and to make sure that, you know what, even if I wasn't consistent yesterday, enough is enough, and I'm going to get it right mm -hmm. now. And then we have to say that with no shame, like enough is enough. That man has been abusing children for 40 years, and they've been covering this up for a long, long time. So I don't know who's in his, his little black book, because all these people have been abused, and this man opens up a book of nothing but penises. And he starts pointing out that's so and so's, and that's so and so's, and that's so and so. So I don't know how deep the rabbit hole go. I just know that we need to start dealing with things like commit and straight erasing them off the books. Make sure that whatever their names are, that they get totally erased, and we delete them out of our existence. We cannot have these predators running amongst us, abusing girls and abusing boys and children like this. That that's unacceptable, and it has mm -hmm. to be accountability. It has to be accountability on a physical level. Yeah, everything you said say, is right. I would say I'm most disturbed-ish at the fact that, um, you know, the Zulu Nation, they they claim, well, not they, they don't claim, but they're an Islamic group. They're Muslim. And, uh, you know, it, whoever runs the organization... More specifically, those dealing on the on the spiritual side of it, those that are uh, in charge of, of teaching Islam, you know, to to the people involved in that group, especially you know the the young uh, youth and those new, you know, that's uh, you know I, I fault them the most for not for not speaking up right now. Uh, also. You know, especially dealing with Islam, if if they had never seen him with a woman, never seen him married or with a wife, but yet you know you're instilling Islam and I self law and master, and and you know you're you're doing that, you know, uh, and, and they're not just an Islamic group. I mean, you know, they're 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 Zulu. They're you know they represent Africa. You know, uh, the mother continent. You know, so. It is what it is, but there there definitely needs to be some accountability within that organization. But I will say this: uh, it, it's really nothing new, and it it's it's not just you know the Zulu Nation and Africa Mambata. It's the same thing that takes places in in some of these Christian churches. It's the same thing that took place you know with Sandusky at at, at Penn, in Penn State, Pennsylvania, and um. You know, you, you've got the good and, and you've got the bad or the evil in in all groups, in in all races of people, you know, regardless of their nationality, ethnicity, their their culture, you know, you've just got the good and the bad. I, I have a saying, you're either, it, it's one or the other. You're either the most highest creation or you're the devil's civilization. One or the other, it is what it is. Can can I can I can I say something real quick to that? Um, 
yes, sir, please, please do. Yes, thank you for participating. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt whatever like that. Um, but yeah, I was watching this for like three hours today, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Um, I'm 28 years old. Um, you know, I know about African band body as far as like you know the hip hop culture, and I'm sitting back and I was watching it early this morning. You know, actually looking into it because I heard the talks and everything about it. I'm just like, you know, just let me hear what's happening. Let me see what's, what's actually going on. And, um, you know, as I'm sitting there watching uh, the Irritated Genie and uh, uh, Tazuriak and, you know, the brother Poppy and the brother Sinetta out there on that corner, man, talking about what's plaguing our community and um, what needs to be done. And that, you know, a lot of times we try to seek legal justice, you know, it really touched me today. Um, I always felt like that about, pedof uh, uh, you know, pedophiles and rapists and things of that nature. And I know that it's definitely, you know, out here in these streets. But it was the fact that a lot of people don't do anything about it because they do feel like they need to go get some type of legal help. And I think that that is something that is employed by the government because they also know the events that are going on in our black communities, that it takes time for certain things to be processed, and it also give more time for people to molest more children as we wait for legal help to try to come in and save us. And I'm an Israelite. Um, I respect people's point of view, and I definitely am down for the cause of my people's survival, whether they are of my faith or not. And What's, what's really tragic is that we have brothers and sisters, yes, sisters, that are within side of our organizations that are against us. And then we also have an, that they're also helping to demoralize our community by allowing these things to happen and have to seek legal help. Because at the end of the day, if it was a white baby that was getting raped and molested, they'll have him killed, lynched, nobody go to jail for it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm not trying to bring a negative energy to this conversation. And I know that y'all feel the same way that I feel. And a, a lot of y'all are much older than I am. And y'all experienced, uh, you know, these type of trials and tribulations with the community. But it's just the fact that, man, I, I just can't believe, man, that, you know, people would still allow something like hip hop or, or even a, a culture that subliminally give our children some messages you know what I'm saying? They, that they allowed us to actually still be getting played inside of their homes, seeing the, the, the problems that it's causing. And I'm just, me me personally, I just really feel is that if somebody is pushing forth for ideology, whether it's hip-hop, Christianity, Kamat, you know what I'm saying, Buddhism, whatever, if they have personal issues and problems, psychologically, defamation, psychosis, whatever it is, when they're pushing that teaching, or they spit, or they rapping that music, their defects are, are being transmitted through that vibration into the ears of our, our, our children, into my ears. So my thing is, man, I really think we should cut a lot of these things at the root, period. Hip-hop, to me, is very tainted and always been tainted, but now we understand, for the most part, why it's really tainted. Because the people that's actually involved in it, they have psycho they have, they're going through a psychosis. They're going through something that's that, that, that's causing detriment to our community, man. So I just wanted to just speak on that, just for my voice to be heard, that I'm, I'm standing with everybody on this phone, man. As, as I'm 28 years old, man, I'm going to do my best.
in the community that I'm in to make sure something like that don't happen. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, salute to everybody, you know, hope tap to everybody and just, you know, thanks for letting me uh, say what I had to say. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. And I, I think that this particular situation, it brings to surface so many other dynamics. There's been an eerie silence, not only from the celebrity rap community, but just the, the overall black leadership. The same Negroes that are quick to jump up on the podium and have something to say about everything else. Man, have they been awfully quiet about this. Again, we're talking about children being sexually abused. There may be adults now, but studying what pedophiles do, that's a pattern. That's, that's not something that they just cut off. So there could be some victims that are still going on because they're predators, and that doesn't stop. I don't think, I don't think pedophiles can be reformed personally. I think the only penalty for, for pedophiles is life imprisonment or death itself, preferably death but life imprisonment um, because I don't think that they change personally but there's nobody that's speaking there's nobody I mean how can Farrakhan call how can Farrakhan call Africa Bambada out for these charges when just today I'm posting the person that he's teaching L. Ron Hubbard talking about his love for little boys so if L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology, the founder of Scientology and Dianetics is talking about his love for little boys and how you're supposed to be arousing uh, little boys to sexual arousal, but yet how can you have words for Africa Bambada when you're promoting L. Ron Hubbard? You've been compromised. You can't. You can't check Africa Bambada. So no wonder you've been quiet about it. And then you have other people who are maybe celebrity buddies, who may be other butt buddies that he's already gotten in contact with in those different rap circles. So you can't say nothing about it because your man has been sleeping with Bam or somebody down the line. So it's so much conflict of interest and so much activity that's been going on behind the scenes. Bambada may have a book that he uses for insurance. I know you ain't going to talk about me. You? You? I already got you. You know what I mean? So those are things that you know have to be taken into account too about the different connections and these different things that are transpiring and taking place of why people are being so quiet about it. It's quite obvious that there's a pattern of something that's going on and it's to the detriment of our people, but I'm not seeing anybody in the mass regularly even talking about this. They don't care about us, but if that was happening to a whole bunch of white people, you can best assure they would have already had them in handcuffs already and then asked the questions later, they would have locked them up immediately. And, 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 and apparently he's been arrested in Brazil for sleeping with little boys. So nobody has access to any kind of records. The government can't come over and assist to get those records released. Nobody. So there's just, you know, nobody's assisting us. We all we got. So, you know, I'm going to protect mine. And I'm going to ensure that the people who come against those who I represent, that they, that they stay well protected. You know, and there's going to be accountability for someone who abuses uh, one of ours. If I could, real quick, ish. I, I personally, um, you know, I'm not a Muslim, but I'm very familiar with Islam. Uh, my father is a Muslim, so if you follow the teachings uh, of Islam and of the Quran, you 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 may be able to argue that well, 
it states in the Quran that if your father is a Muslim, you are you're born a, a Muslim. So you know you're you're born into the Islamic faith. But I'm not. Okay, I'm not. My my parents divorced young. I've I've spoke on this before. I don't know if everybody caught caught the live stream where it was brought up, but um my my mother's Christian, my father is a Muslim. Their marriage was more of a necessity. It, it, it kind of played out like a business arrangement. And it was to have two incomes, uh, have a nice townhouse, and to survive uh, and, and not struggle and, and be able to uh, obtain citizenship for my father. And so events like that played out. They married young, and they also divorced young. So with that being said, uh, Islam when taught right, when approached right, and with the right motives and, and not an uh, alternative agenda can be a beautiful, very peaceful uh, religion and upbringing. Um, I would definitely say that I was disappointed when Farrakhan, uh, if it's a, a partnership, some kind of arrangement, whatever you describe it as, to include Scientology in the Nation of Islam. I, I, it shocked me. I, I automatically, you know, had my own reasons and probably my own explanation of why that took place. Uh, exactly you spoke on uh, Ron Hubbard and just how perverted and, and wicked and disturbed he was. And then just look at some of the celebrities. Okay, now everybody can say, oh, well, that's Hollywood and, and you know, all the forces that control that and, and look at the conception and going back on, on Hollywood all throughout history. Well, there's been some of them to speak out. Look what Madonna went through when she left Scientology. Look what Nicole Kidman went through, Tom Cruise's ex-wife, when she left Scientology. There's been others as well. And, you know, uh... These audits, um, you know, these deepest, darkest secrets, they, they attempt to blackmail you, they attempt to extort and threaten you, and uh, you know, they do everything they can to blacklist you, and I, I, I don't know, that's just troubling and very concerning that, you know, the nation of Islam that was able to do so many positive things with their own businesses, restaurants, schools, organizations, and, you know, they, they were able to teach the women to be modest and, and you know, uh, be married, live a righteous lifestyle, um, try to teach them about, you know, shying away from a promiscuous lifestyle or sexual relations at a, a, young, a young age to avoid teen pregnancies and things like that. So it, it was alarming-ish when when Scientology and the Nation of Islam linked up. I'd just like to speak on the issue just a little bit. Uh, the sexual abuse is horrible. That our people, um, a lot of our people, I think they're saying now maybe 33%, 30 to 33% of our people have been either raped or molested. <clears throat> But I think it speaks to a greater issue of exploitation. 
we have to be a people that fight against exploitation no matter where it comes from. If, if somebody is poor and somebody takes advantage of it, we got to speak out against it. We, we can't hold our tongue against uh, exploitation, against um, people coming to our communities and taking advantage of our people because of, for whatever reason, we have to stand up. Uh, we have to be the standard of what is right not just in our families, but in our communities. And we have to bring that idea to the world. I mean, because of what we've been through. So we should always be the people at the forefront of coming against people taking advantage of other people. But it seems it's that saying an abuser always ends up, I mean, a child that's been abused always ends up abusing other children. We have to break that cycle and say, look, as much as our people went through and we made it through, we're going to hold up a standard that we are not going to allow this anymore. You're not going to sell drugs in our community. You're not going to uh, take advantage of our young girls and our young boys. We're going to be the standard bear bearers for those principles. And I think this Bambana thing has all the the signs that we need to look at and say a change needs to happen because they knew Bambada was doing it but as KRS-One said you know that's my, my boy we don't tell on you you know you you do you don't care what you do do if he go out and kill somebody you don't go tell nobody that's my boy <clears throat> so we have to see those those ideas are dangerous and it's only hurting our people if we continue to allow it to happen. It, uh, I think Ish said earlier, it just perpetuates a cycle if we don't do nothing about it. If we we turn a blind eye because of our position, it's always we're going to be the majority of the people that get exploited and taken advantage of. So to change it, it's going to have to be us holding up a standard against it whenever we see it. That's all very, very true. That's all very, very true. I was so disappointed in, in the words that KRS said on that. You know, uh, again, one of these people who put themselves in a position of being a self-proclaimed uh, teacher, you know, and, and in doing that, then when the pressure comes or when something negative comes, that's your answer. You don't give a F what he does. That's unacceptable. If you want the glory and if you want the, the credit for being this part of an architect of hip-hop, then you don't just throw away and tell the victims that you don't give a F what happened to them. That's totally unacceptable. That's cowardly, and that's one of the ultimate examples of being a bitch-ass nigga that I've ever seen. That was a total disregard of children being abused and people who needed a voice. People who were being harmed and could not defend themselves. And not even just these people who have grown up, but the potential people that are still children all over this world that are being abused. And for you to use that type of a terminology to explain the pain of what they've gone through, that is the ultimate level of being a bitch-ass nigga. That, that, that's, that's, that's word, man. And for anybody out there that, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I was watching it today, man. 
just to just to keep my ears open to what was actually going on, what what, what was the, the the ruckus was about, man. Um, when anybody sit up there and and try to demonize a grown man or a grown woman coming out talking about they molestation or they rape, obviously you're so captivated in the the founders of whatever music industry or whatever genre of music or whatever clove line or whatever TV show that you love so much, you're so inspired by them that you're looking past the hurt that they causing on people. You know what I'm saying? And that and that right there, man, is that that's that's you you sleep. You sleep. So nine, ten out of times, you got a kid, you 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 got a little niece, a little nephew, it might happen underneath of your nose because you so sleep. Because whatever's rocking you good night and making you feel good, you focus more on that and what it does for you personally than how it may be affecting other people around you. And, you know, it's scary, man, because it is a lot of people that have been molested and been raped, men and, men and women. And it's, it's not something new, but it's new when years go by and people come out and talk about specific people who are supposed to be leaders in our community, that they're actually dealing in, in debauchery like that, that's new. And, and then you have to think to yourself, then what was going on all these plus 50 years? What was, what was what, what's going on now with some of these other cats that's inside of this this group or, or associated uh, or conglomerated uh, or, or in, in a specific social class where they're bringing out music and, 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 and you know, uh, brand, brand name uh, clothing lines and things of that nature. What they doing behind closed doors? You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, 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 the, the brother Young Phil said it the best too. You know what I'm saying? I got, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't agree with half of these cats that I was watching today, but the simple fact that matters is this one thing we can definitely agree on, man. If, if, if y'all out there, man, just worrying about somebody presenting information and looking good and got the money or got some type of social status in the community, check that person, yo. Check that person. Because it's always some pervert that's going to use Christianity, that's going to use Islam, that's going to use Buddhism, that's going to use a Kamat, use whatever he want to, whatever he feel like is going to attract some men that want to be honorable and believing in a, a deity or doing some service to uh, the community. These people are attracted to those type of, uh, uh, those type of groups because they know that them men or them children are there. So people are going to use any avenue to gratify their sick desire. You know what I'm saying? They're going to use any avenue to gratify their sick desire. So people really do, like the woman said today, man, we need to be that, we need to be that committee. And it's been said so many times, people have spoke about this, so I'm not taking away from nothing nobody said over the years that have been talking about this type of situation that's been going on with different other people rather than being bothered. But the fact of the matter is, now I see that people are now looking into actually doing something about it now because of this situation. And it had to, ha it had to happen with this brother, uh, Bam Bada. It had to happen with somebody who's a so-called founder of hip-hop, one, uh, uh, one of the drives and leading inspirations of music that pushes our people Okay, into the state of my state of mind that they in today, something that's really affecting our people. Now we found that they're the founder, 
is doing these things and now we're doing something about it. You know what I'm saying? It's keep it's keep making people more aware. So, you know, I it's just like, you know, we now was now was now was time, man, because we can't talk about this now and then few few years down the line, man, stuff like this is coming to starting to pop out. People starting to reveal new people that's been doing this, that, and the third for this amount of years. This stuff do gotta be solved now, man. It's it's two thousand right. it's that time, man. Oh, I think it definitely definitely happens for a reason. Can I, I say something? Yes. Yeah. You had something to say? Yes, sis. Yeah, so basically, I mean, everything everybody's saying is true. So basically what the issue is is that a lot of black people, unfortunately, are very weak-minded. You know, they're easily, I mean, it's easy for people to control black people. A lot of them are looking for a savior figure to come and, and save them out of whatever situation they're stuck in. And so they look to these so-called, whether they're looking at the pastor or they're looking at a government official or they're looking at the quote-unquote master teacher or, or their favorite conscious artist. I mean, like I said before, it's all just transfer energy. All these people, they, they went from Christianity to Islam to Kemet, and they're doing the same thing. They're still looking for a savior figure and what these so-called leaders are doing they're basically they're wolves in sheep's clothing and they're preying on the people within our communities and nobody's doing anything about it so we have to come up with a system in order to check these people because you know it's not just the pedophilia they're also you know conning our people out of their money they're lying to them misleading them all to push a, a hidden agenda and that, and that's true. I mean, we're talking about there's a habitation of predators that are just picking at the carcass, and the carcass mm -hmm. is, is us as a people. And just like hyenas, as soon as that carcass falls, they just come out of the woodwork, you know. And you got buzzers circling up high, and you got the hyenas picking at the flesh on the bottom, and it's right. nonstop. So it's like, which were we gonna address first? Domestic violence, abuse of children, exploitation of our money spiritual rape all of these different things they're all pulling from mm -hmm. the same carcass and it's like where does this stop and when are we going to organize enough to start beating them back we're not dead yet we're kind of we, we're taking a lot of shots you know what I'm saying? Right. And a lot of people are picking at us but we still have a stick and we're starting to swing back and and right, it's always going to be that hope you know as long as we unify as that united fist and that stick we can start to beat them back off of us but you're absolutely right we need to start Organize and start saying, you know what, enough is enough, and I'm starting to see yeah. that. I'm starting to see us react a certain kind of way with our overall consciousness of us saying, you know what, we've had about enough of the lies in religion. Whatever your faith is, that's cool. You better come with some real part of whatever your faith is. You're not coming to us with that mythical stuff. You know, we're not going to be giving you our money for you to go and exploit it and then flash it back in our face. We're tired of that too. So, uh, you know, we're getting fed up with a lot of the different stuff, and it's become really old. And I don't think a lot of the people who are doing that, that they realize that the people are really fed up with them. So they're still mm -hmm. flashing and doing the stuff they used to do, but the consciousness is seeing them now. And the consciousness is saying, you know what, you're number the two big scam artists. And even though you don't see that we see you, we see you. And I think that's something that's very, very important of something that's going on. We're identifying a lot of the bullshit and the things that people are trying to sell to the people. And I'm very proud of us as, as a level of consciousness that's coming out, that we're starting to identify it, and we're starting to go in a different direction. That's very, very promising. 
I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble, uh, but, you know, I'm always surrounded by trouble. The main thing that we can do is, let me back up before I say that, is I watch a lot of these um, YouTube celebrities and saying certain things and what they don't say. So uh, this got me in trouble with a group on Facebook, and that's okay. I started calling certain people out for their actions and people getting upset and start defending. Now, I'm going to say one thing uh, that most of the, uh, well, I'm pretty sure that all the, the men in here, the black men in here, men of color in here will agree that uh, we don't hang out with gay men. Straight men don't hang out with gay men. We don't hang out with those that want to participate in, in pedophilia. There's an old Spanish proverb that says, tell me who you hang with and I'll tell you who you are. So when you start hanging out with certain people and you can say, well, I don't participate in that. And I've heard that a lot, especially from the brothers in the Zulu nation, that one, I go back to um, the brother that was beaten down Africa Bambara. And they said, well, people came in and were pulling me off of him. Now, the first thing is somebody's getting slobber knocked in a fight and you're trying to separate them. The first question you're going to ask is what happened? So when the brother whose apartment it was in made the statement and said, well, yeah, they were in there fighting and I pulled them off, but I don't remember exactly why they were fighting. That's BS. I'm not buying that because that's the first thing you're going to ask is what happened? Why? That's Ben Bader. Why are you beating them down? What happened? And I know the brother told him what happened. So you, for you to sit there and say you don't know, but then you leave the Zulu nation for 13 years and you come back, you leave because of rumors? Now, if, I, if I'm one of the elders and one of the founders of the Zulu nation, I'm not going to leave any organization until I get to the bottom of what's going on. I'm not going to leave based upon a rumor to what's going on. Now, now back to what the, the younger gentleman was saying and the sister just said earlier. The... There are, there are things, there are crimes that are worse than murder. And rape is one of those crimes that are worse than murder. Whether you put it under, under a rape of someone of, of being of age and you take it away from them or a child, either way, you're still taking away someone's innocence. Now, for those that are sitting here saying, why did it take 40 years for people to come out? You have to understand that mentality of those that it happened to. They are still, whatever age it is, you know, Brother, Brother Savage, he's still 14 in his mind because he's reliving that every day. You may see a 50-year-old man before you, but mentally, he's still 14. So this is what people don't understand. When that type of crime happens to you, you relive it every day of your life. Secondly, when you come out being a man, we all take pride that our sexuality is, is part of our manhood. We may not have a lot of possessions and things. So when that happens to us as a male, we're looked at as, oh, well, you're gay, you're homosexual, you know, you're kind of funny. So they don't come out and say what happens happened to them as teenagers, as boys, because they just start getting looked at as, oh, well, you must be suspect since that, that happened to you or or you brought it on, you know, that, that type of the same stupid stuff when people say about, you know, rape. They say, well, oh, well, she, she brought it on herself. You know, that type of nonsense has got to stop, especially, you know, in our community. And and you all touched on it, that when people have hands in certain pockets, you can't talk about certain things because of who you affiliated with. That's why it's been so silent, is 
you have to go back and say, oh, well, this person is, is affiliated with this person. This person connected with this person. Come out and say right is right and wrong is wrong. We we have to stop doing this. And the, and the one thing that we can do is organize is what we're doing right now. Two, start putting people on blast. Start, start, start naming names and holding them accountable. Same thing that was asked of anyone that hung around African Man Body said, you ever remember seeing him with a woman? And they all say no. That's suspect within itself. If I'm hanging with somebody, right, and we cool and we traveling all over the world, and you never mention about, hey, man, if you're in Brazil or you're in Paris, you never ask him where the women are? You never say anything about that? That's not, I'm sorry. That's suspect to me. So for all of those that are, that are, that are coming out and saying, well, yeah, you know, I was down with Bambada and I never saw anything, nah, that's, that's, that, that's a lie and the truth ain't in you. So we have to start calling people out. And I'm not going to say it in this format, but I am going to say to those, if you see me on Facebook, I'm going to continue to call those people out because the ones that I called out, guess what? They never responded to what I said. They never responded to what I said. So you sit here and you're, you're on Facebook, you interviewing Brother Savage, and then you change the subject to talk about black-on-black -black crime. Why are you changing the subject to black-on-black -black crime? If I'm going to a Susan G. Coleman rally, I'm not going to get up there and start talking about heart disease. Because that's that's not that, that's dealing with cancer. I'm not I'm not going to that type of rally. I'm not going to change the subject and talk about uh, gang violence at that time and other things that were going on in the community. And you grew up in that community and you grew up in that project and you still haven't come out and said anything. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna call it what it is. I'm gonna get off my soapbox. I appreciate it, but I'm I'm not. I have zero tolerance. And I guess that's from all the years of me being in education, having children. I'm not dealing with it because. You still have you still have to be accountable. You don't have to sit there and even if you're not going to tell the authorities, bring the drop squad back. Let's go back to the old days. People just start disappearing. If they don't care about us anyway, it's just somebody just disappeared. Correct. You know, you, everybody got some uh, 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 cement and and some rope and just get rid of the folk. Because like you said, you cannot be rehabilitated because if you castrate them, they still use other objects. It's not just you know, the, the sexual organs, and they're using other other instruments to violate people. And sure. that's the thing that we've got to sit here and, and, and check each other, check ourselves about what's going on and start calling names because I don't believe in the, them, and the man and all that stuff. I start calling names. And if you see me doing something suspect, by all means, call me out. If I don't respond to you in private, then put me on the public format and we'll have a discussion. But I'm not going to sit here and hide behind certain things and, and not cover certain things because of who's, who's feeding me. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not buying it. Sure. And we, we definitely have to create a, an environment to where the victims uh, have the freedom in order to come forward and they not face you know, unnecessary further abuse or they feel as if you know, if I do come forward, I will then become um, vilified, you know, and I, I do see that happen uh, quite a bit in our community. They start to vilify the people who are actually the victims, and they make heroes out of the predators. Why? Because they chase celebrity, as Sister Danielle has stated. You know, we get so, um, the, the song had come out, the cult of personality, you know, the environment becomes a cult of personality of the personality worship and the celebrity worship, and they can do no wrong to the point to where you start to vilify the person who says, wait a minute, this person harmed me, and then the next person, and the next person, and the next person comes forward. So now you're looking at a distinct pattern of something that's transpiring, and you're not getting any answers coming back from this so-called celebrity. You know, 
yeah, it's safe to go to, you know, you're getting, you're getting a, a sweetheart interviews going to certain people. You're going to Fox News. You're going to Ed Lover. Those are sweetheart interviews. That's nobody who's going to ask you anything probing. That's not anybody who's going to put you on, on check and, and really get, get into the bottom of things. So that, those are cakewalk interviews. We need to find out what the real deal is, and you're refusing to do that. So that alone is, is definitely an indication of something that's transpiring. So we're going to hold full accountability of things that are going on. But in the broader scale, we just have to make sure we're protecting our communities and make sure that our women and that our children, that they are protected at all costs. Definitely true. I, just, I feel like I just got to say this, man. I don't care what nobody believes. Um, you know, nature, man, is, is inspiring us through the most high, man, to actually act one accord on this particular subject because – it, it is a lot of things that's going on in our community, but I'm going to tell y'all this. And through me being, through my experience, uh, pedophilia, ped, ped, uh, uh, all, all, of this, all of this touching children and raping things of that nature, it starts at that home first. It starts where the baby is safe at, where the baby think he's safe at. Or it starts with that family member the baby think he's safe at, or where she or he thinks she's safe. It starts at that church or it starts at that family reunion it starts it starts at that mall it starts in that bathroom where they think they safe at all right and it and it comes without them knowing and that's one of the first things that happens to a child trying to actually develop inside of this world and, and, and trying to you know be what nature is calling it to be it's always something trying to interfere with the masculinity or the feminality of that child to get it off course because that's what sets everything off course. So I'm just going to say that that we, it is high time because we see that uh, nature, okay, is it, 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 not appropriate for certain acts like that to happen. All right. And us as a people, uh, you know, over the years, I know that we've been sensitive to it, but now even more than ever right now is, is more uh, conducive for us to start this uh, revolution to really do something, really do something about it. Like that brother said, some cement, rope, all that good stuff. It's really time for somebody to make that statement that if you a pedophile out there, you might have got off 50 years ago. It might You might have got off a year ago. But this year, people will disappear. You won't know what happened to that man. And ain't nobody going to say nothing about it because it's time for people to really take a stand on that. All right, so you know, I just wanted to say that, and uh, I'm 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 leave it at that, man, and and I'm done. Thanks for y'all having me up here, man. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what we're gonna do is we're about to close out um, this particular session, and I wanted to um, to ask uh, each one of you uh, if you have any kind of closing comments. Please feel free to make your comments now, um, and so that we can uh, you know, just leave on, on a good and a peaceful vibe, and whatever your thoughts are. Please feel free to, to share your thoughts. And um, we'll start with uh, Sister Danielle. Did you have any uh, closing comments, sis? Um, yeah, I just want to thank you for inviting me to this call. And um, I enjoyed hearing everybody's um, very um, enlightening opinions. Um, and I hope to continue to build with you all. And thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, sis. Absolutely. Good. Great to have you. Brother, do you have any, any comments at all? Global media. I uh, appreciate appreciate the invitation, Ish. Um, sure, my Of course, of course. 
definitely. I think everybody has some, uh, you know, very good insight. I think the topics that you led us into and that were discussed are, are relevant. And I don't think that they're, they're only a problem, or I don't think that just any one community sees it. I think it plays out anywhere you are in the world. Now, obviously, due to laws and certain cultures and stuff, some parts of the world, you know, Africa Bambada's head would have already been cut off along with his genitalia or something like that. But, um, no, I appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, I'll continue to, you know, do what I can uh, whenever the Ahmed Ra squad and brothers like yourself, Ish, have, have a cause that is, you know, trying to do do whatever they can to, to be active and, and try and make you know, some positive changes in in the world, in their community, for the children, for the youth, you know, and, and I'll continue to do, uh, you know, my small part as well. Thank you, Ish. Thank you so much, man. Well, Brother James, do you have uh, any comments at all, brother? Close comments? Uh, I just wanted to say that I appreciate uh, the opportunity, Brother Ish, to always build with you and connect with you. Uh, you know, you're a part of my family, uh, so uh, I definitely appreciate that. To the brothers and sisters that participated in this forum, I hope that you all uh, invite someone else to the group next time and we continue to uh, to build on a positive, you know, positive note as we begin to uh, increase our frequency and rise to a different level. Uh, I appreciate those that actually have come and brought something to the table and able to network. I see one of the brothers in here that's right here in the community of Dallas, and uh, we may have seen each other at different gatherings in passing and never, you know, uh, spoken to one another. So I appreciate this opportunity in this forum to actually uh, reach out and, and build. And uh, brother, just keep doing what you're doing, man. I support you in everything that you do. I appreciate you, family. Thank you so much, brother Jane. Brother Yami, you had something, brother? Any closing comments at all? No, I just appreciate the uh, the forum. I enjoy topics like this. I really do. I wish we had more of them. <clears throat> uh, and I look, Brother James, we already friends, so we talked sometime before. And we, If you went to the Pan-African Connection, we probably already met a couple times. But, uh, and I, I definitely want to get with you, though, because the stuff that you do, I want to do more of. I just moved here to uh, Dallas in um, September, so I'm kind of new to this area. So I'll be talking to you. But I, I enjoyed this platform, and hopefully we can have uh, more bills like this in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, Sister Sheila, did you have any comments at all? Uh, I know that you uh, also uh, bless us with your presence. Uh, if you have any closing comments. We'll be happy to, to hear from you, even if it's just to say peace. You have any comments at all, sis? Okay. Um, can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. The only thing, the only thing I just wanted to say. Um, first of all, I'm glad uh, to be invited. Um, I'm actually new to the conscious community, and um, I'm learning a lot. So, just hearing about the situation that's been going on, which which y'all were talking about, something that um. I've had a lot of questions about, I've had a lot of concerns about, and just being part of this forum is letting me see that there's other people who have the same concerns that I do. Um, 
you know, I have children of my own, and these are things that bother me, and I want to be able to learn a bit, a little bit more about this whole community so I can take my part in, you know, trying to make this a better place for everybody. Right. So, um, like I said, I just get the invite, and um, I hope to be able to take part in more conversations like this in the future. Well, it's certainly, it's, it's wonderful to have you. Um, as one of the co-founders of Armin Ra Squad, actually your timing is perfect for, for each and every one of you. We have a new forum that just started like four days ago, and the new forum is called Armin Ra Squad African Moorish Scholarship. Again, it's Armin Ra Squad African Moorish Scholarship. And that particular forum is dedicated to the topics of kind of what we're dealing with right now, as well as holistic healing, relationships, children and parenting, um, African history, Moorish history, and current events. So it's covering a nice broad um, uh, amount of topics. So please feel free to join us. Again, it's Amara Squad African Moorish Scholarship. And this is the kind of things that we're starting to branch off with. This was our first broadcast. So with everyone being on the same page, then it allows us to move together and to find solutions to the things that inflict us. So I think that if we invest our time properly, we're able to change the cycles of dysfunction and the pain, and we can find the solutions that's going to make it better for us as a people. So that's what we're dedicated to do. I certainly want to thank each and every one of you. I want to wish continued blessings upon you and all of your loved ones, and I will talk to you soon. Again, this is Ishmael Allah, and I will talk to you soon in Amara Squad Up.